0: In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a mighty hand. Amen. Amen. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. Good to see every one of you. We are thankful to God for the gift of life and for the opportunity to be together again. Um, To God be all the praise, to God be all the glory, hallelujah, amen, amen. It's a good reminder as Pastor has said. All the glory to God. All the glory to Jesus. Right. Um, Maybe it's to quickly reframe and uh, reset our context um, as we have been um, um, as we have been um, studying and um, sharing and fellowshipping. Um, so quickly, perhaps is to restate where we're from so that um, we have the context so we don't... Okay, so just one minute before I let you guys go. Um, so let's re reestablish our context, uh, the beacons of our engagement and then after we do that, we can um, um, hmm, yeah, we can carry on. So from where we, we, where we came from, we have pointed out that yes, you can you can lose um, the love and the awe of God in your life. You can lose the the, shall I call it the essence of that capture the the experience that brought you to him that brought you to god and um, I, in sharing that we looked at and um, I'll, I'll give an example of how in in an early stage of my life, we were raised and grew up um, or schooled. Uh, in a barracks, and so we were taught to honor the flag and retain that awe or consciousness about the value or the importance of the flag. And then, um, over time, that wonderful, awesome experience was just eroded away because of uh, because of familiarity and. Uh, the setting in of contempt and all that, and so the flag is still the same, and it's still as, as rep- symbolic and representative of what it represented right back there. But um, without a conscious cultivation of that awareness, the whole respect for and honor for the flag disappears and becomes a piece of cloth, isn't it? that uh, piece of cloth that uh, (laughs) we make clothes with, bags, key rings, bracelets. True? The whole idea was that it's supposed to uh, become, to keep before your eyes the importance and symbolism of that flag and culture or breed patriotism, but in the end it becomes familiarity, and the value is lost, and that's gone. Yeah? Am I alone? Are we together? I'm trying to just restate some things. It's important, so we have not borders, but beacons that show us where we've journeyed together, so it's easy to link up everything. I mean, it's been a week since we last spoke, so it's possible to Lose sight of some of the things that we have said and all that. But then we went on to say you can reignite the fire. You can reignite the fire. So yes, we started by pointing out that you can lose the awe of God in your life. But say you can reignite that fire and you can be on fire for God again. And what was the key here? That it's a posture of the heart. And if you adopt a reverential posture in your heart towards God, then you set up yourselves to experience a fire. And not just the fire again, but to open up yourself to the leaping flames of the glory of God, greater than what it was before. Hello? So essentially it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. Painful as this statement may be, It's very true that you are where you are by choice your encounters and experience of god are exactly where you want them to be oh no i want better it's a lie if you want better you'll have better hello hello I see God at work in the lives of some people, I want that also. No, it's not true, you don't want that. Had you wanted that, you would have that. No, I really want it, Vincent. No, you wish it. You wish it, you don't want it yet. You wish it. We've seen somebody who sits in Nairobi and say, you know, I just wish I could climb Mount Kenya, it's true. You're exactly where you want to be, in Nairobi, sitting in your house watching videos or pictures of people who have climbed Mount Kenya. The day you want to hike Mount Kenya, you set yourself on a course towards Naromoru. Then you will do it. You can reignite that flame. And not only have the old flame, but be opened up to new leaping flames and brand new encounters with him. And as he spoke to us last week here prophetically, that even experiences that have not been written off, you can. You can. In your relationship with him, God is not the limiting factor. You are. You are the limiting factor. You are the one that chooses the height you want to go to. You're the one that sets the limit you want to get. to. It's you, and we say that you can overcome the barriers. You can overcome the barriers—barriers barriers of ignorance, barriers of religion. You can overcome those barriers. See, one of the barriers that stands, <laughs> one of the barriers that stands uh, high. Uh, in your experiences with God is your past experience with him. Hmm? Begins to set for you boundaries of how far you can go. So your last encounter with him is that you prophesied. And if you're not careful, that becomes the limit. Hello? It is quiet here today. I hope it's not me. So, Matthew chapter 17 the disciples are with Jesus up on the mountain. Three disciples are with him. An experience, an encounter, something they have never seen before happens. And Jesus is transfigured right before their eyes. And they hear the voice of the Father speaking about the Son. And they have these wonderful encounters. And what happens when, it's the moment, when that moment, when that portal shuts and they are going into the next phase? Instead of riding on in the power of that experience to a new experience, what does Peter propose? Let's come here. So, the trap here is that the last great encounter may actually be your tomb. Because it is so great, you do not want to depart from it. You have to understand something about the Father, God, is that he is highly dynamic. And every wonderful encounter you have with him is only an empowerment to propel you to a greater encounter than that one. So your eyes must be set for the next wave. He's on the move. He's on the move. The the experience of the Israelites in the wilderness typifies for us what the nature of our relationship with God is. He's on the move. He's on the move. If you're not careful when when you experience, in fact, if you are a Moses, let's even say so. If you're not careful when you experience the parting of the Red Sea, you may live there. Hmm? and write books about it, preach sermons about it, tell about it, and be stuck there. Do you know me? Hey, do you know me? I'm that guy who stretched his rod and the Red Sea parted. You've not read about me? Here's a book. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can be stuck there. But look at him. Look at the nature of God. We part the Red Sea We part the Red Sea, the Israelites sing, Miriam dances with the ladies, and they celebrate God, and the next morning we're on the go. Do you see it? Ah, come on. Come on, guys. When Moses passed away, or when Moses left the earth, The Israelites spent 30 days looking for him. Do you think they were looking for Moses? I'll tell you what they wanted. The rod. The rod. Not, I'm I'm not shrubbing. The rod. (laughs) R-O-D. I'm not saying L-O-R-D. I'm saying R-O-D. The rod. They wanted the rod. Are you with me? It was a symbol of the power that they saw at work in moses's life and they wanted to camp there and there are certain things that they got hold of and actually you can see it's a nature of man what did they get hold of at some point they had venomous snakes attack them and the lord gave moses an instruction and he built the brazen serpent and set it on a pole and he said, if you look at this snake, you will live. Hmm? Hello. Hello. If you look at it, you will live. And did they live? Yes. As many as looked at it, they lived. But in the book of Judges, we learned, they started worshipping the breast serpent. I bet you Moses missed something there after that encounter with the snake, the serpent, the healing and everything, he was to destroy that thing so they can keep going. does not stop there. It's repeated over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament as a pattern demonstrating to us where the weakness of human beings is at. Gideon, and we'll look at Gideon today because that's where we stopped last time. Gideon, After the victory and the battle with the Midianites and overcoming the Midianites, he said to the people, they said, come rule over us. He said, no, very significant, we'll look at that. Come rule over us. He said, no, I'm not ruling over you. God is your ruler. And then he said, but you can reward me this way. How do we reward you? Give me the earrings you got from your your prey, the people you beat. And they gave him earrings of a thousand shekels of gold. Then he made a golden effort. What's an effort? What's an effort? What's an effort? Priestly garment. Gideon made himself a golden effort, a priestly garment. Uh, he made this effort. And it, for him, it was an instrument with which he would worship God. But what did the Israelites do? They started worshiping the effort. So love a scripture, time and time again you can see that there are barriers, either of ignorance or of religion. The entrapment of religion is sprung on people because of the last great victory. The last great victory. There are people who worship fasting. You with me? I'm not saying they worship as they fast. I'm saying they worship fasting. So that if you are ever to approach them and say, a brother standing in faith in this, he looks at you and says, that takes three days of fasting. To it's formulas. It's a trap. It's religion. It's the devil. Satanic initiated fasts. That not sound nice at all. But it's the truth. Why? Because their last great victory has framed a religious boundary around them and has become the trap that the enemy uses to control them. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. He, says, he said, wonder is calling you for an encounter. I mean, he called himself, called God, Wanda, Wanda is inviting you for encounters. God is not static. Your last wonderful experience is exactly that. Last wonderful. There is more. And he's inviting you to the more. Then we pointed out that you can leave a spiritual legacy. You can leave a spiritual legacy. You can leave a spiritual legacy. Remember, we took some time and tried to help and strengthen and charge parents. Yes. Okay? Hello? Yes. Unless your name is Abraham, that's different. But you're not Abraham. And it's not a wonderful testimony for your children to pray to the God of Abraham. That's a shame on you. If they were supposed to be praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God would have let them be born there. They were born under your shelter in your household because you are the representation of God in their life, and they must see you interact with this God in a way that sets a pattern for them, but more importantly, leaves a legacy for them to help them advance the next level. God is super dynamic, and even from generation to generation, his intention intention is that his purposes are continuously unfolding and advancing, not recycling and repeating did, did, Isaac, did Isaac need to go and sacrifice Esau on the mountain to see the purposes of God that his father saw? Because the work that his father had, the work that Abraham had, there was a deposit out of that work made into Isaac. And Isaac likewise to Jacob. And Jacob to the 12 patriarchs. And I said, you can, you can, you can, you can leave a spiritual legacy. You can. You can leave a spiritual legacy for your children. Spiritual children, biological children, whatever children, professional children. You can leave a spiritual legacy for them. You can. And what must you do? says, so long as you concentrate to always go beyond the gardeners, hear the voice of God. Beyond the messengers, beyond the prophets, beyond the apostles, they are all wonderful, wonderful avenues through which God is speaking. And yes, we will hear them, we will receive correction, instruction, uh, teaching, we will be edified from them, but your quest, your quest, your heart's pursuit must be him and you will not rest till you find him. That's your posture. You will leave a legacy to the next generation. Yeah, I think that sort of frames what we've looked at. Sort of frames what we've looked at. And your pursuit has got to be consistently after him. Consistently after him. And last week we said, "This is it. We ain't playing games." Yeah? This is it. If what we are doing is a hoax, then like Paul said, of all men we are most miserable. But we know it's no hoax. we we'll give ourselves to this without tiring. We will not faint. We won't give in. Why? Because we know without doubt. Like this, the, the cliche says, a drowning man hangs to what? I don't care if the stroke can't support my weight. It is the last thing I see that presents a shimmer of hope from drowning. So I'll cling to it. But this is not the case. We know, we know, we know. We know without doubt there is no other choice. There's no other option. There's no other way. There's no other hope. We know, we know, we know. And so we will cling. We will cling. We will hold on. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. But apart from that, we also know there's no need for plan B. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, it's okay. Listen, king. (laughs) There's no other way. We will not bow. We didn't bow and we will not bow. And if you're going to put us in the fire, it's okay. First of all, let's educate you. The reason we are holding on to this is not because we are foolish. We know our God is able. The one who created fire has power over fire. We know he's able. But secondly, should he choose not to, we know he has simply chosen not to. But it won't change a thing. It won't change a thing. Paul echoes it in Romans 8, and he says, What is it that will separate us from the love of God? What is it? What is it? What is it that will separate us from the love of God? Paul says, With absoluteness, there is nothing that has capacity to break this bond that we have with Him. So, Amen. if it is death, we die. Amen. Don't like that? But we will not relent. And so our hearts are beating after him. The hunger therein is growing by the day. It's not fainting, it's not fading off. I want more of him. Yesterday is gone, there is more. I must, therefore, like we said last week, be completely discontent with every other previous experience. We adopt the posture that we see with Moses. We adopt the posture that we see with Moses. Hello? From encounter to encounter, the man is restless. The man is restless. He is restless. Something broke loose in him, and boom, he became restless. Killed an Egyptian. Tried to separate uh, two Jews from fighting each other. They c- revealed that he killed an Egyptian. And so Moses goes into the backside of the desert. There's a restlessness that triggered what he did in Egypt. He did it in his own flesh. But there was a restlessness. And so the result is what? Moses out there and he's all da 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 until the Lord appears. Encounters begin. When it started, that's it. That's it. I love that man. I've read his story over and over and I look at him when they come back, when they come to, when they come to, to, to Pharaoh and they begin all this, it's the rod turns to snake. It's, it's one thing after another. It's one thing after another and all the plagues become open displays of, listen to me, the plagues become open displays of Moses' personal experience with God. Who was causing them? Okay, who was causing them? Ah, uh-uh, talk to me. God was doing them, but who was God's partner? Moses. If you took Moses out of the picture, you think there'll be locusts coming and there'll be... Those things were not environmental conditions. They're not geological cycles. They were not phenomena that were happening because of, you know, change of weather patterns and all that. No, there was a man. There was a man in partnership with God that was standing before Pharaoh and saying, oh, tomorrow your cooler boils. And true. Oh, go read it. If you don't think there was a man causing it, go read it and you will see. By the time they are hitting plague, plague one, okay, okay, beautiful. Go read it and you'll see if there was no man causing it, you'll see plague, onset of plague and offset of plague all centered on him. You stand up and say because of what you've said tomorrow this and then pharaoh cries, and moses comes back and says stop come on guys come on it's the nature of the kingdom Amen. we've shared this before and we'll have to say it it's the nature of the kingdom listen 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 if this is what we will do we'll do it listen listen In the divine design, God has ordained that he must work with men on the earth. And so God seeks a partner with whom to execute his purposes on the earth. Matthew chapter 6, thy will be done on earth as it is. So who? God sets the agenda in heaven and he finds a partner on the earth to execute the agenda to bring the harmony between heaven and earth. Are you with me? And likewise, with every prophetic declaration, every word that proceeds from God. That's why the Bible says, you see it over over and over, Isaiah, God says, who will I send? So you send your angels. No, no, no. This is, not a, this is not the plane for angels. I want to do something on the earth. I need a man. Ezekiel, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. So there has to be a human agency with whom God partners to execute his plans and his mandate on the earth. And so what's God found in Moses? Human agent, partner. Let's go. Same thing with this Elijah, isn't it? Children of Israel are into deep ball worship. Well, Elijah stands up and says, listen. There'll be no rain until I say so. Huh? Yes, until I say so. What's happening? God has found a partner and they have suspended weather, partner, pat, weather patterns. Suspended. Rain, Okuji March. You come when I say so. Three and a half years later, the same man in partnership with God, says, let the rain come. Who was Jesus? Who was Jesus on the earth? He's a prototype son. He came to demonstrate what sonship looks like. And what does sonship look like? Uh, I'm running ahead of myself. (laughs) What does sonship look like? It's a life yielded to allow God to do what he wants to do on the earth. And so when Lazarus is called out of the tomb, heaven has determined that Lazarus will not die. Circumstances or sickness has caused him to die. God needs an agent, a human agent with whom to partner to bring Lazarus out of the tomb. Otherwise, Lazarus dies prematurely. And many things have died prematurely. Many people have died prematurely because the agency or the partners were still celebrating the last healing. I mean, where does it come from? Jesus, they say, Lazarus is sick. Come and heal him. He hears that and he abides three more days. What is he doing? He's in sync. He's in sync. Then he tells them, don't worry. This sickness is not unto death. But he dies. Where is he hearing this sickness is not unto death? Where is he hearing that? Where is he picking that from? He's got a relationship with the Father. He's hearing from the Father. And so he's not moved by what's happening on the earth. He's in sync with what is going on in heaven. And so he's able to execute what heaven is doing and he gets heaven's support. That's the partnership. That's what we're pushing for when we are saying, come on, guys, there is a greater encounter. We're not looking for goosebumps. We're not looking to be shaken and feel nice. Hmm? Hello? So we said last week, and we pick on it you must be dissatisfied with trickles. You must be discontent about trickles. Hmm? How was it? Wow! God moved like hell. <laughs> God moved. Okay, God moved. God moved, yes. Where is the transformative nature of God that moves in your life? Where are those disruptive disruptive? You know, disruptive partnership experiences with him. Where are they? Hmm. Let me submit to you. Let me submit to you that for a lot of people the religious entrapment is that we are too caught up in the last nice experience. And this is a sad bit that even when he moves from there, we are left there. You realize Peter would have been left with his tent, there was no way Jesus was camping in that tent. But if, if he didn't push him, Peter would have been left on Up there on the mountain with this tent and guess what down the hill down the hill down the hill there is a boy tormented by an evil spirit but peter would have been i don't know what he would be roasting after but he'd just be there hello oh it was awesome matthew 17 it was awesome the encounter was awesome there was a powerful experience (laughs) Hello? Matthew 17. There was a powerful experience. It was so powerful they fell down as dead. Mm -hmm. The light was so bright, bright that it blinded them. It was powerful. But immediately that was done. Peter proposed to build a tent tent here. Let's stay here. We have found God. This is it. Shh. (laughs) Let's live here. It could have been left there. Peter could have been left there. Peter could have been left there. Thank you, Jesus. Do you remember Prophet Agabus? Prophet Agabo is not here. Do you remember Prophet Agabus? Prophet Agabus came to the ways of the kingdom through the preaching of John. Is it? Is it the one? Yes, he's the one. He was not prophet Agabus, yes. He was Agabus, Agabo. And he came to the knowledge of the ways of the kingdom through John the Baptist. Come on, guys. Who? John the Baptist. And then, later, in the book of Acts, later, Agabus has come to preach in a town full of fire. Mighty in scriptures, that's what they call it. He's come to preach in a town, and he's preaching fire. What's the fire? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And he preaches in this church, and there are two people in the congregation sitting, and they listen to him and say, wow, how mighty in scriptures. Then they invite him for, come and have a sleepover. Come have dinner, come stay in our house. The name is Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla. And Aquila and Priscilla sit agabus down and tell him, "Bro, John preached about Jesus. Jesus came. Jesus did the following, da 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 dada." And he died, and he released the Holy Spirit. Rosary resurrected and brought us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has now ushered us to this face. In fact, Apostle Paul. One of the persecutors has come to know the truth and is ministering here and all this. And the Bible says they instructed him in the more excellent way. Then Agabus, thank God for Agabus. Yeah? Thank God for Agabus. You better be an Agabus. Agabus says, Thank you, John. And he moves on quickly. Later we're reading. Is it? No, it's not Agabus. It's Apollo. Okay, he's one of these A guys. Just leave him there. I don't know. <laughs> Is he Apollo? It's Apollo, it's not Agabus. Agabopole, it's Apollo. Yeah, it's Apollo, I think. I think it's Apollo. Polly, which one is he? Apollo or Agabus? Apollo, eh? See, that's, you know that's Polly, Apollo in Kijalur. <laughs> he has to favor himself. Pastor Polly, Pastor Apollo. See, that's what they do, Mom Chris, don't they? You see now the the our nice vernacular. Our nice vernacular they distort things. My grandma was Lydia. That's my mom's mom. They called her Ludia. <laughs> she even called herself Ludia. Huh? My other grandma, my paternal grandma was Elizabeth. Huh? She was Olisa. Only Sabbath. Hmm? Don't laugh. We had a friend called Simon. His mother used to call him Dimioni. Dimioni. Hmm? Rudu. Have you heard them? And so Apollo was just Polycarp, but this was Lewis who wrote this part. Okay, so. <laughs> Pastor Apollo, it was Apollos. <laughs> so Apollos Apollos comes and is talking about John. Priscilla and Aquila educate him. Overnight, the man makes quick transitions. Pa, 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 pa. And then he's gone again. The next time you hear him, there's a contest. I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Peter. I'm I'm of Paul. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or Peter. So he makes the transition and he moves. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. So what do we say then? You can be on the cutting edge with God. You can have now encounters with him. You can. You can. You can get off the stale, old, stinking blob of yesterday's experiences and marry yourself to a now encounter with him. And that's where he wants us people. He's not interested in tabernacles on top of the hill because a transfiguration occurred there. No. That's where he wants us. Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, they are at Peter, mother-in-law's house. They have had a wonderful experience what in the morning Peter is thinking let's have a crusade here. Jesus is gone. They look for him and when they catch up with him, he's not going back. Let's go. Too many people have built camps and have become traps. I'm telling you, they are wonderful things. But they were as wonderful as when they happened. There has to be motion. So you've got to be restless and dissatisfied with be dissatisfied with yester experiences and seek now encounters with him. Stay current with him. Let's let's read some scriptures at least. Let's we were here last week, and so we'll just take it up here. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 from verse 1, I'm telling you, I'm aiming for Hebrews 11, that's really what I've been aiming for, but Judges chapter 6 verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, okay, so what are we going to do, let's have some, some uh, like 15 or so minutes of Bible study, let's, we'll go verse, verse, verse and talk, verse and talk, I don't know if I'll do 15, maybe 20, we we'll see. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Okay, so um, what happened? They did evil. The judgment was seven years. Okay? So that's still framing for you the context of Gideon's existence. So Gideon is, the person Gideon is arising in a time when there has been a seven year captivity. Don't forget, it is through human agent or a partnership. Uh, who's the human agent, the partner with whom God works to end the captivity? Gideon. So he's terminating it at the seventh year, right? Or after the seven years. So, the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the Danes which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So, basically the oppression was so hard, guys moved from cities that they had. Remember, this is the promised land. Hello hey to 15 or so minutes Bible study let's have some banter stay with me you know back forth back forth to normaliza right so this is the promised land this is not the wilderness you know sometimes we read the Bible and we just place them where we want them Pa coco this is the promised land and they've been in it for a while so this is the land that was flowing with milk and honey or is flowing with milk and honey This is where they had inherited cities they never built, houses they never built, vineyards. This is it. This is it. This is where they are. yeah. And then what happens? Now they resort to living in caves. Why? Because the oppression is so harsh. Things are tough in those seven years. So what did they resort to? They went to dens and caves and strongholds to go and live there. Verse 3. And so it was when Israel had sown... That the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth. Till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. So what happened? When the Israelites did what? Sowed. Oh, let me stay here, so we do this quickly. When the Israelites did what? Sowed. Now, did they allow it to get to harvest? No. What did they do? You saw when it has sprouted. What did they do? They came. And how did they come? Yeah? How did they come? Good people. Are to, we are not having this. Hmm? Thank you, Polly. What did they do? with the? Verse 5. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were were without number. And they entered into the land to do what? To destroy it. So what did they do? You planted maize. They gave you time. They allowed it to sprout. Then they came with their animals to eat it all. Hmm? This was not where they got their bread. They had their own country where they got their bread. But the intention was to lay the land waste. They made sure you harvested nothing. Yeah? Yeah? You, got, you never got to harvest, they made sure of it. So they came in their multitudes. Scripture says like grasshoppers, or the modern English would say locusts. You know, locusts. They landed like that. And they destroyed everything and wasted the land. And it was, it's a battle tactic. Are you with me? It's a battle tactic. They know if you get to eat, you will get strong. When you get strong, you will resist. So what did they do? They kept them weak, they kept them desperate. So they came. Every time you sow, after you have sowed, they land. They come and sweep it all. Sweep it away all. Verse 6, is it? And Israel was greatly what? Impoverished. That was their goal. Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse 6. I love that. They were impoverished because of the Midianites. And what did they do? They cried unto the Lord. Listen. Verse 8, they cried unto the. Where am I? Verse 6. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So you see, see they cried unto God. And God is trying to show them, hey, it's your error that has put you here. Now I want to help you get out. So the prophet is basically telling them, it's your sin. What action are they supposed to take? Repent, isn't it? Repent. No, they didn't. Then they are crying. to Keep crying. You have not obeyed my voice. So he's telling them, I'm demanding obedience. Come back to my ways and I'll sort you. Well, the next verse, and there came an angel. Okay, this is, um, this is um, so the prophet has spoken. Hello, Tuko. The prophet has spoken. What's the purpose of the prophet speaking? He wants to get them. see the way God is operating. It's very governmental. You are in this mess because of your disobedience. So correct it, so we can end this captivity. But these guys are not getting it. Them, they are they're still in the mess. Anyway, God, God god is wonderful his purposes are never stopped listen guys listen guys and i say it with you know including myself in this count listen we can't frustrate god you get it and we cannot frustrate his purposes so it's possible for us to be hard stuck to our ways and he'll bypass and still do what he wanted to do. Are you getting me? There's nothing stopping him. He will do what he wants to do. So look at the next verse. So that's their situation. Things are like that. But look at the next verse. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Josh the Magenshite. And his son, Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Okay, so here we go. So an angel comes to Gideon, the son of Joash. Hello. So this particular field belongs to Josh. There are right? I'm against it. it is easier. He's there. And we'll remember him faster. And so Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress. Now, it's a seven-year captivity. It is so harsh. It was described earlier, isn't it? It is so harsh. These guys are determined that nobody will harvest. But here is a young man threshing wheat. When you're threshing wheat, it means you harvested. Not only did you harvest, you've dried it. Now you're ready to thresh it, to separate it. But he has, listen, 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 listen. It is so possible that after seven years of oppression, you settle in the oppression. Yeah. You get it? It's possible. Go and ask those of us, 430, generation after generation of Israelites in Egypt. They wanted to stone Moses because they're missing garlic. The leader of that rebellion was from the coast. Rehab. Rehab. Tuambe Vizuri. Kitungu saumu. We are stoning you. They wanted garlic. Garlic was better to them than freedom. Garlic than freedom. As in, I'd rather be in captivity eating garlic than free eating skuma. No, wait, not skuma. Eating mana. Huh? Eating mana or oh, quero. Kwero. Kwero. Watawengina wanajon nini. Kwero. I'd rather be in captivity eating garlic. In other words, my freedom means nothing in the face of garlic. That's deep captivity. But that's where they were. They said, garlic, this bread, it's true, it's food of angels, it's miraculous, it's thank you for all the miracles, but we want garlic. Garlic. The captivity has become the norm. So it's hard to break out and move on. Well, here are the Israelites. After seven years, it is possible for you to give up. Listen, every season you plant, these guys show up like locusts. And they show up with their animals and they eat all your crop and leave you with nothing. Every season you plant, they show up. Every season you plant. Look, you may try year one, but by the time you're hitting year two, year three, you start giving up. Eventually, you just stop sowing. And that's what they want because they want the land impoverished. And it was impoverished. But here's a young man threshing wheat. Defiant. Don't care what the captivity looks like. I'm gonna sow. Amen. I mean, I don't know what tactic he used, but he sowed. Amen. And he harvested. Yes. Let's read on. No, oh, I told you last week that's what attracted God to this guy. That's it. That's the attractive thing. That's, he's demonstrating the potential of a human agent, partner to deliver these fools. <laughs> it's true. I mean, they are foolish. So, my answer a prophet. I'm going to a guy's captivity because you disobeyed God. At least start with repentance. Akuna, they are crying. This guy is demonstrating the qualities that are necessary for a partner to execute the change needed. He has managed to plant his wheat. He has harvested it. He has dried it, and now is threshing it in the, in the midst of these harsh captivities. Listen, the land was impoverished, but Gideon was not. I, I'll prove it to you. Let's read on. Where are we? Verse? That's 11. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. He is bringing you might. You mighty man of Ella. Is that what he said? What did he say? How is he described? You. Thank you. How is he described? Thou mighty man of Oh, I've heard some people even share and say, Oh, God was calling the things that be not as those they are. Watch out. You know. (laughs) We were with my wife the other day. And uh, um, from somewhere, don't worry where. Uh, But somebody had preached. And I tell you, hey, Jesus. Honestly, hey, when we get to heaven, we have things to account for. (laughs) Everything was put together. Everything was mixed up. Everything out of context, out of place, out of meaning, to drive anything. So I told my wife, I thought that message just left me. It's confusing. Then she gave me a phrase. She said a phrase that I loved. And I say, yeah, it's a Frankenstein message. You know Frankenstein, the monster? The hands are not his. They are long like this. The head has been patched up. As in it was everything. Listen, this God is not trying to teach us here how to call things that be not as though they are. No, 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 no. It doesn't, it's very clear here what's going on. This was a mighty man of valor. Not will become. He was. God is calling him as exactly he is. You, mighty man of... If it was faith, you would have called all the rest. After all, faith, you call the weak to be strong. You don't go call the strong to be strong. Call the weak to be strong. No, he said, you, mighty man of vela, You, with fearlessness, courageous. You, you, you. Yeah, because it took fearlessness and courage to sow in the midst of the Midianite, uh, what? Captivity and harvest. But it doesn't end there. Give me a moment. It doesn't end there. Alright. So, let's take this down. Verse, where is it? Thou mighty man of vela. But I like this. Listen, he said, the Lord is with. Hello? How? It's singular. Hello? The Lord is with. It's with you. He certainly is not with Israel, but he's with you. The Lord is with you. Okay, okay, okay ah, yeah yeah yeah. Ah, yeah. Let's, let's do this. Who's speaking? Who's speaking? The angel. the angel is speaking to who? And he tells him, who is with him? Thank you. very good distinction there. Let's uh, verse 13, let's read. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, first of all, it's important as we read verse 13. You have to know Gideon does not know this is an angel. See? He doesn't know. And you will see it in the latter verses. He doesn't know. So Gideon does not know this is an angel. It's important for the context. Because otherwise you will read this as complaining. It's not complaining. He's stating to him the facts, what's going on. Because he does not know that he saw a man. Hmm? And he saw a man, he's like, hey. So the man says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of Ella. Gideon responds. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord. Oh, please. You see this? The capitalizing there is just the translators. Yeah, they're excited. Gideon does not know this is an angel. He's basically saying, hey, mister, Sir." so he says, the Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? He's not complaining. In fact, he's consistent with the prophet who came earlier. Still, if God is not here, I like Gideon. I told you we were aiming for Hebrews 11. One day we'll reach there. I like Gideon. That's why this guy appears in Hebrews 11. Huh? your hall of faith. That's why he appears there. The, I like, Gideon should have been a modern-day preacher to stand in certain churches and certain places and tell them, God is not here. He's not here. When they are doing, oh, wonderful. He says, Allah a lie. He's not here. He's not here. He's not here. Gideon tells him, the Lord is, is not with us. Why then has all this befallen us? If God was with us, this cannot be our case. And he states, and where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? In other words, there are certain things that characterize the presence of God. Gideon is clear, clear-sighted, clear. This is how we got out of Egypt. He was with us. This is how we saw the miracles. He was with us. The fact that we are looking around is not here. <laughs> okay, anyway, let's finish reading. Where be all these miracles which our fathers told us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now, he says clearly, the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites correct assessment of their situation. Very accurate. The Lord has forsaken us. You see, that sobriety is necessary to even begin finding your way home. ay ya 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 You know, I feel like we're starting, but we'll stop short. <laughs> Hello? It's a sober assessment. It's about time we got that Gideon spirit. It's a sober assessment. Look at your life. Ask yourself, where is he? The hills skipped like rams. At what? The presence of God. The Red Sea parted. Why? The Psalms, that's in the Psalms. Clearly stating, the things you saw, the encounters you had, well, because he was with you. If he's not with you, you cannot have the encounters that are characteristic of him. So Gideon says, sir, You lost it. God is not with us. God has forsaken us. Why? He knows why. But God has forsaken us. That's why we are in captivity under the rule of the Midianites. But this dude is defiant. I'm going to harvest. It doesn't stop there. Let's read on. And there's a beautiful thing happening here. And I want you to catch it. Um, Which verse was that? It was 13. Now we read 14, eh? Okay. Thanks, Brian. Keep us there. 14. He says, and the Lord, eh, 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 eh. and the Lord looked upon him. eh, 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 eh. (laughs) And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. You see, it was not faith. Dude, you got it. Go in this thy might. Thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Now I want to ask you something. Who's this? It's not the angel. Very clear when the angel speaks. Even though Gideon doesn't know it's the angel. Who's talking? Okay, Okay, let's read on. You see it gets more clear. Verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Carry on, so we finish. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I'll be with you, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Read on. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Read on. Depart not hence, I pray thee. Okay, so now he's speaking to someone he can see. Isn't it? Depart not hence I pray thee until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. Go on. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid. There we go again. Brother has a kid. So that means he was able to have goats until they have the young ones. He harvested. Defiant I'm not conforming. He got his wheat. Now he has a kid. In fact, he has a kid to offer. (laughs) Okay, let's read. And unleavened cakes. Wait, wait, wait. So, this is not the first time Gideon has flour. (laughs) He's making cakes, not from here, threshing. He has flour. From threshing, you can't you would have started to grind the wheat. get flour, He has been doing this. So he has cakes of an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. Next verse. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon Gideon doesn't know he's an angel and I'll prove it to you shortly. Lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth and he did so. Next verse. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and then leavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and then leaven cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So, touches it, fire. Gideon sees it, then the angel disappears, right? Next verse. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel. So, this is the first time he knows this is an angel, Right? First time he knows this was an angel. He perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. Don't, Don't move yet. The angel has done what? Disappeared, isn't it? Alas. So Gideon is, oh my goodness, I've seen an angel face to face. What does it mean? Normally, you're dying. He's scared. He's pretty scared. Next verse. And the Lord said unto him, wait, so this is not the angel? The angel has disappeared. The Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. So this boy is conversant with the voice of God. So it's cultural. He knows it. Okay, so let's paint. You know, I like we do pictures. Eh? Let's do pictures. Um, let's, let's do some. Gabby, come. Gabby, come this way. So come right here. And then uh, um, use it. Gabby, come. So remember, he was down there threshing wheat inside a wine press. So, then the angel, I'm the angel. The angel appears. Now, the verses we've read, see them, picture them. The angel appeared. He doesn't know he's an angel. The angel tells him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor gideon tells him sir god is not with us if god was with us look look at us look at our situation god has forsaken us and he has handed us over to the midianites then the angel takes him on see go go in your might and deliver the okay what's going on here he doesn't know he's an angel so i'm telling you the verse you read where it say have i not sent thee it's not this man talking and how do i know it's not this man talking because when we come to this verse the angel stretches so gideon brings all the nice stuff angel touches it with his rod and the angel disappears so angel has disappeared there's no angel here and then and the lord said to him gideon doesn't go like who else is here who's talking i love this i was reading this and the holy spirit told me look at that young man again actually told me last night say read these three chapters again read them again I read them again. I read them again this morning. He said, look at that young man. He says, here's your gateway to divine encounters. He says, he's more conversant with the voice of God than angels. The angel is a shocker. Who are you? What do you mean? I didn't even know he's an angel. But when it comes to the voice of God, he knows. He knows. Wait. Read the next verse. So wait, wait. The Lord said unto him, the Lord said unto him, peace be unto thee, fear not. For thou shalt not die. Next verse. And Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah. Did he call it angel? So he knows who's talking. Calls it what? Meaning what? God our peace, but shalom is a compound word. God our prosperity, God our safety, God our wellness. See, that declaration or the revelation of God that he has there is contrary to the captivity of the Midianites. And he says there, and to this day it is yet in offer of the Abizarite. Continue. And it came to pass the same night. What's happening the same night? Come on, guys, we're finishing. What happened the same night? Who's talking? He's conversant with this voice. This is, this is his secret to harvesting during the captivity. This is his secret to having the kids. Kid. Okay, one more thing you see about kids. This is a secret to having the kid, the baby goat, in the midst of the captivity. Eh? Aye. So the Lord said unto him, take thy father's young bullock. So the father has a young bullock. Uh-huh. And even the second bullock are seven years old. And throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath. And cut down the grove or the, the wooden uh, statue that is by it. Go on. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. We are about to stop reading. Next verse. Uh, Then Gideon took ten men of his. tell you. So the minimum relationship he can have with servants is that he pays salary. That's minimum. Within the context of this, this practice, he was feeding and housing. In the Midianite captivity. In the seven years of captivity. He has ten servants. No, he took ten. He has more. Took ten men of his servants. They probably have families. Those are what working. Ah. Thanks, Gideon. Gabby. Listen. He's defiant. But he's not defiant with just lips. His life is demonstrating God is with him. Hello? His life is demonstrating God is with him. He has servants, he has kids, so he has goats. He is harvesting. He has harvested before. He has cake. If there is servants, he's feeding them, he's housing them, he's sheltering them. But where is the gateway? Where's the secret? I've already shown you. This guy doesn't know angels, but he knows the voice of the Lord. Amen. He's not even shocked by that voice. When the angel disappears and God speaks, Gideon doesn't go like, who's there? There's no who's there. He knows who's there. And who's there needs no introduction. You can see the consistent conversation that follows. By the way, it followed all through the next two, three chapters. Hello. 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 The angel disappeared, the voice continued, Gideon is not surprised. They can have that conversation. <laughs> okay, so the, the, there is a gateway to these encounters we are talking about. It's called intimacy. eh? But it's also the secret to living the life we want to live. That's I said we're aiming for Hebrews. We'll stop here. Don't worry. we ah, stop next year. we holiday. We'll God, I want to sum it up. I say, please go read these just three chapters that cover the life of Gideon. So you start to understand why he is in Hebrews 11. Uh, Hebrews 11 is where we are going. But in Hebrews 11, the scripture says, By faith. By faith, these guys. By faith, these guys. By faith, by faith. This guys. Everybody mentioned in Hebrews 11, there is a by faith, these guys. But you see, the, the basis for his faith there is an intimate relationship with God that gives him. You see, otherwise you go into. Uh, Pastor, I have to read that scripture. You know, you read it last week, and I told you. Okay, let's 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 close it with this scripture, and then we will see. Um, Corinthians, 2 scripture Second Corinthians, amah Second Corinthians, five fifteen. And then we'll will 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 wrap it up there for today. Bye. So everybody mentioned in Hebrews eleven, there's a by faith pre- uh, prefix eh? before their name. Yes. By faith Abraham, by faith, no. by faith Noah, by faith. Then Gideon is also mentioned as by faith Gideon, by faith Gideon. And so this is our life. That's where we're going. That's what we're aiming for. Amen. That's really what we're aiming for. To not talk so that we can come to this place where we can say, by faith, mungai, by faith. And it's not by faith a historical fact. It's by faith a now encounter, a consistent now encounter. The scripture says it this way, they just shall live by faith. Not shall have an encounter by faith and then expire and go to the... No, they live, they live. They live, they thrive, they thrive, they exist, they progress, they advance, they blossom by faith. So that's why Gideon is appearing there. Okay? So true, God had forsaken Israel, but God was with this man. The angel confirmed it. God has forsaken Israel, but God was with this man. Are you with me? And Gideon responded, say, don't give us those religious uh, declarations. God has left us. He's not with us. (laughs) If God was with us, we know the evidence of God with us. But he knew God was with him. He knew this God. He so knew him that God sends an angel. Gideon has no idea who this is. But as they have this conversation, his spirit is resonating with what's going on, that he tells that angel, don't leave don't leave. If truly God has sent you and the things you're saying, because they're connecting, don't leave. I've got to do something. Then he sets this kid and all this, and the angel is revealed. It's made manifest. This is really a spiritual being. The angel disappears. God continues to have a conversation with this man, and he's not shocked. In fact, hey, you know, again, Niloambia, the problem with the church is a nice encounter, we build tabernacle. Huh? this Gideon is the guy who fleeced God. Remember? Yes. Remember the guy? It's, it's in the ensuing chapters. You can follow it, you see. It's in the ensuing chapters. He's having a conversation with God. He says, okay, God, God, this is, I see what you're saying. This is really hard. So please, let's, let's just, please, confirm to me without doubt. Encounters. Confirm to me. He says, I'm going to put this wool here. I want to find the wool wet, soaked with dew but the ground dry. God does it. Hi. He says, okay, 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 God. Let's just reverse it. Of course, now, Christians have turned it to a doctrine of leasing. That was his personal reality and experience with God. That's why it's authentic. Hmm? That's why it's... I tell you, it's in the mercy of God, lots of mercy, that a lot of us through all manner of fleeces, and he just, just bebas them. God, if really, 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 if really I'm supposed to marry that guy, really, really, let him, let me meet him at the bus stop today. Then he shows up. You're like, God, Gideon fleeced you two times, let's see. If I'm really, really, really the one, let me meet him tomorrow wearing a red shirt. Aisha. he shows up with a red shirt. he says surely it must be God I'm here to tell you that is Gideon's, it's, it's history he speaks by his Holy Spirit very clearly if you would only divorce yourself from those old things and marry yourself to him now you will have fresh clear encounters with him, he will talk to you clearly and say this is how we go this is what to do, this is where I want you because you can see he's talking to this man very clearly Hello? Let's read our scripture, then we stop. Or rather, we explain it, then we stop. Explain something here. And he died for all that... And he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Mom, Chris, you remember it? And he died for those who live, that they might no more live for themselves, but for him, for their sake. Die, die lives again, that is me. Yes, yes, there was a Imani choir. Imani choir. If you have no Imani to choir with me, we mm, there was a choir. But listen. I want to end with this one. Jesus came and died for all. Okay? However, Scripture states that they which live, that's those who receive this life-giving power from him, eh, should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. So, listen, the invitation is not to copy Jesus. That's the mistake we make. Hmm? Anyway, criticize. WWJD. What would Jesus do? You have not been called to copy Jesus. Otherwise, you are a copycat. (laughs) You have not been called. The invitation is not for you to copy him. The invitation is for you to die and let him live through you. Are you with me? And he died. For all that they which live should not henceforth live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and rose again. So he the invitation here is not for you, is not for you to look at the pages of the book and try to do what Jesus did. No, no, no. The invitation here is for you to lose your life that he may live through you. And it's verified in many places in Scripture. We'll tackle that sometime. Galatians, a beautiful one. Yeah? And the life that I now live is not mine, but that of the Son of God. So, what does God want? What does He want? He wants to live through you. Uh, he wants to live through you. He's not asking you to emulate or copy. No. He's asking you to die, give way that he may live through you. Remember what he said earlier when you we are starting the service. That's why the glory goes back to him, not to, the, not to the earth and vessels. He needs you out of the way so that he lives through you. And that is what the life of faith is like. Amen. Hello? So what many people are trying to do is to copy him. You have a long copying process to to, to undertake. Hard, laborious, exhausting. That's why sometimes you forget to copy, and you (laughs) copy something else. Then you remember, you say, oh, we mean him Christo. Then you want to come back. (laughs) See, it's a wrong order. And it's been advanced by wrong doctrines. He didn't die so that those who live can copy him. He died so that he can live through you. And So what happens to your life? He ceases. Yes. So he that wants to save his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall receive hundredfold more. Yes. So what is he doing? To live through you. So what is, what is this life of faith then about? It's about you dying to let him live. Say Maze Yokukufa Jo. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But that's essentially what it is. Hello? Okay, so we won't go there, but I can mention. So to kick off Gideon in that process, what does he tell him? Go and pull down the altar of Baal. It was a death sentence. It was a death sentence. And Gideon knew it. In fact, he was so afraid he went at night. But he did it. He pulled down that altar. After that, his name was changed. They call him Jerubal. They call him Jerubal because by morning, the guys were begging for his blood. It's time to kill him. Who pulled down the altar? Then his father said, listen, listen, listen. If Baal is God, let Baal fight him. But if you guys protect Baal, then you're greater than Baal. Get out of the way. Let Baal fight for himself. And he called him Jerubal. Baal will contend with him. But that's essentially what the life of faith is about. Okay, so I'm not asking you to go and jump into a lion's hole and say it's a life of faith. Watch out, pussy. What I'm saying is, this is where we kick off from. Because our goal about announcing that there are encounters, more encounters than what you've heard, is to bring you to a place where you realize, Allah, it was actually about him. So what do you do? Get out of the way and see wonders through your life. Amen. Just get out of the way and see what God can do through a man or a woman that is yielded. See so the problem is you've been trying to do the things for God. God God wonders mimi. Mimi. God if you just if you just God, if you just agree me, I'll do great things for you. It's a lie. He already knows you can do nothing. That is fact. Actually, what you can do very well, Adam demonstrated, you can fall. (laughs) He knows you, you are good at falling. So this is what we want to do. He says we want to do things. We will get there. We want to do things. We want to do things that will become loud evidence that God is with you. Okay, so two people. Gideon. The angel told him, the Lord is with you. Where is the proof? Can't you see? Dude, you're thriving. Every, the things that we said there are evidence of what? Shalom. Evidence of shalom. Evidence of shalom. Shalom is peace, wellness, salvation, prosperity, all that. So evidence of shalom. Your goats are producing kids. Your wheat, you're harvesting wheat. You have servants. It's like there's no captivity. God is with thee, but the, the big picture, God was not with Israel. There is a similar scenario. Um, John chapter three. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, hey, Rabbi, we we the Pharisees we know that God is with you because no man can do the things you do unless God is with him. Okay, okay. So as we wind up today is god with you okay where are those characteristics of god with you now i'm not saying it to put you down i'm saying it to pull you up and say there is a place for you where people around you can say god is with you are you with me don't get it wrong don't get me out of context. You think he was condemning us? I'm not condemning you. I'm not. Am I sent to condemn? No, I'm not sent to condemn. I'm sent to reconcile. Amen. Listen, 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 and I'm hoping it stirs up a hunger in you. Yes. Listen. Uh, in 2001, uh, Dolly and I got married, and uh, when we were getting married, everything looked like it was everywhere. Everything. I had a job. I was earning 500 bob a month. (laughs) And we're getting married. We're getting married. Everybody I interacted with from the family, our family, tried to speak sense into my head. Because it was clear. I mean, what's wrong with you? You are earning sotano. 500, you're getting married. Where are you going? So they try to speak sense into my head. Try to speak sense. Many, many try to speak sense. But listen, this is where it started. So, yes, Dolly and I knew we'll get married, actually, five years earlier. And we knew I need to finish my college before we can get married. So we were courting for a long time, five years. One morning, I wake up and I'm going to my 500 per month job. Yeah? And as I leave the house, boom, right in front of me, an image of a mango tree. And we had no mango tree in the compound. Big mango tree in front of me. And then the fruits are ripe. And I hear his voice saying, it's time to harvest the fruits. And while I'm contemplating on that, shortly, it's like the seasons just move very fast. Suddenly, first of all, okay first, so the mango tree, they were green. Then shortly, they are ripe. Then while I hear that voice, it's time to pick it shortly, they move to overripe, and they start falling, and worms come out from the fallen fruits. He says, it's time to, now. And, okay, so then, shh, the image disappears, and I start walking, and I'm thinking, what is that? And the Lord speaks from within, and he says, it's time to get married. So, listen, I knew I have 500. I you are maths. Are you getting... I knew I had 500, I know maths, I know maths, I did mathematics, I passed my mathematics papers, but I knew what he said, right? And I knew I heard him, and I knew his voice. So I started a journey consistent with his voice, and as I moved, God started doing what he was doing. Now here's a statement my father made because the family was in uproar. Family, if you're watching this, Poleni, <laughs> Nimoanika, but they were in uproar with all this my seeming insanity. But then my dad had retired and he had no money. Interestingly, health challenges. What? What? The Lord actually told us. Um, he said, um, "I will hold back your family's hand from supporting you." Yeah, he told us says, I will hold back their hand from supporting you. Yeah. Why? Because I want to make myself known. Yes. My brothers, my sisters, in fact, now when they finally give in the towel and say, okay, fine, we have a wedding, we have a wedding. I have a brother who said, okay, I'll bring you $25,000, uh, 20000 what the oldest monies they promised. They couldn't bring it. They couldn't. They're not bad people. I love them. Couldn't bring it. In fact, the one who said, by Sijui, Thursday, what, I'm sending you this money. By Tuesday, the wife is in critical condition in the hospital. Surgery, what, what, all the money is gone. One of my uncles told me, okay, fine, I'll, I'll bring you 40000 Before he can bring it, he's, I'm not pleased, I'm not the one causing chaos. <laughs> but before he could bring it, his father needs a heart surgery. And the money is gone. Nothing. Actually, the total collection from my family that came into my hand towards the wedding was 2,500 shillings. <laughs> <laughs> then, when our wedding was done, my dad attended, came from up country. people attended the wedding. It was a glorious wedding. We had more than 400 people in attendance. It was wonderful. It was full of joy, laughter, everything. We had people from the, 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 the notorious Langata crew You know, the Langata crew, they do everything. They arrive, they are ushers, they they jump into every role. They wash dishes, they serve sodas, they do things just flowed so nicely and everything. Then we got to the end of the day. My dad summoned the family and said, I want a meeting today with the family. So the family gathered for a meeting, and these were his words. I want you to leave that young man alone. God is with him. Okay. Now I've heard that statement many times in my life. And I, I hate to imagine that I would not hear it. Joseph was distinguished because God was with him. Amen. Now it's it's not that God has left you. A lot of the times it is us who choose to stay in a tabernacle. Hapa ni kumoto. vile heaven Hapa. Kwanza ile lightning ilichoma hapa. Then he's moving on, but you're there. Are you with me? Let's stand up. You are not invited to copy Jesus. You're simply invited to yield ground, seed ground, give way, give way, give way. That's the invitation. Give way. And we will exploit by God's grace. We will exploit by God's grace. Give way, give way, give way. Let your hunger, that's in your heart, yes. let your heart beat after him. Not things, manifestations and all that. how nice of it. Even all those nice ideas you've already conceived of the things you'll do for God, drop them. Drop them. God already knows you can do nothing for him. It is him that both wills and does of his good pleasure through us. Mark chapter 16, and the disciples went everywhere, preaching the gospel. Signs and wonders following because God was with them. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about? Why? God was with him. It's actually the other way now. He's on the move. Just don't do not. Please, watch her. All those, I've told you, I'm repeating this because I can hear him repeating this. Those nice ideas of what you want to do for God, just drop it. Drop it. The invitation is that he wants to live through you, he will do for himself those things. You'll be a nice, innocent bystander who sees and says, Wow. Okay. How many times, did, did you see anywhere in the Bible God schooling um, Moses how to change sticks to snakes? Say, <laughs> so Moses class one, how to change sticks to snakes. <laughs> then you drop it. like. There's nothing like that. So Moses was an innocent bystander. All he did is that he gave God an avenue through him. So when he still dropped the stick, he dropped even him just to show you, he didn't know what's coming. And that's a good place. To be with him in a fashion that you have no idea what's coming. But you always know, I'll have the front row seat to see it. Why? Because it's happening through me. I want to close by saying, God wants to change the world. But there has to be a human partner. Hebrews 11 is about changing the world. We're coming there. God will help us. God wants to change things. Disruptive. But he needs agents. He needs agents. He needs agents. But the agents are not those who go to do it for God. Rather, those who let him through you to do what he wants to do. And that is the encounter we are aiming for you know we today we was to just to reshape it encounter passy encounter is not you doing wonderful things because what that will do to you is it will cause your head to swell if there's ever a safe place ah if there's ever if there's ever a safe place to be is where you know without a doubt that was not you <laughs> If there's ever a place I like to be, even when I'm sharing the word like I am, I like to be at a place where, yes, I'm sharing. It's just a face I'm putting. In reality, I'd like to write the notes. Because I'm seeing what is being said. I know I didn't know yesterday. I I know it. I know. I know I have never seen that in scripture all my life. But it's just, it's come out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are going to write that one down after. Because you know, without a doubt, it's not you. Best place to be. Best place to be. And we will touch on it. We will get there where we talk about your levels of engagement with him. Where you realize you come to a place where you know this one is grace. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you and then we, we, we move on. Paul, I was all over the place today and I know. Because I'm just, it's just, let's just go. Yeah, let's just go. But I want to pray for you. There's a place in him for you, and He wants you in him, because he wants to live through you. There can be an end to all this missing and guessing and trial and error. More importantly, there can be loud evidence of His presence with you. Because why does God want that? It's a loud testimony to others. You're, kwani mukisoma your life is is what be living episodes living episode <laughs> in inasomeka sindio? okay someka. anyway always inasomeka always inaweza kusema vitu but it's always inasomeka always always inasomeka i love you guys and I'm praying in my heart that we would be that ragtag army, that group of people that they will say, these ones have turned the world upside down. Oh, amen. Mm. And it's, listen, it's not magic. It's so possible. Amen. That the journey we've been taking is so possible. So possible. Amen. Today, we throw down all these nice ideas we've had of what we want to do for God. We put them down, okay? Mungu in peleka America sita ingia kwa it three jobs. Nita preach gospel, throw it down. Just drop that. The invitation is for you to die, that He may live through you. Then once He starts to live through you, you become that spectator. I tell you, if God wants you in the U.S., you don't need visa. If he wants to use visa, aeroplane, what he can use. But he can also just get you there to do what you need to do. Now, A lot of the times we read stories of people where such manifestations happen and we are impressed. That's not the deal. Through you, he also wants to do things that people will read about. He wants to. It just needs you to yield. Give ground. Amen? So, let's all these nice ideas. Drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Because what it's doing is that it's making you take the driver's seat. Just drop it. Just drop it. You do not have the capacity to plan the life that God wants you to live. You don't. You can't even think about it. It's not within the brackets of your brain. You can't picture that. You, you don't. We stopped reading but if we continued reading you will see Gideon told God I am the last born in my father's house and my father's house is the smallest house in the tribe of Manasseh and Manasseh is the smallest tribe in Israel. See? Hi Asha. It is. Yeah, I am not qualified. In other words, even with all those kids he was having and wheat he was harvesting, Gideon could not conceptualize. He could not conce- Ah, Holy Spirit. Yahweh. Oh. He could not concept. There's something we have to say. He could not conceptualize him doing that. Okay, so we, do you promise me three chapters? You'll go and read Judges chapter 6, 7, 8. Yes. Please, guys. Will you read that? Yeah, so we want to read one verse from there. One verse. Yeah, no, under me Let's read one verse and then you see one verse. Uh, g- please get us to. It's still chapter six. No, sorry, sorry. That's chapter seven. Get us chapter seven. Verse. Judges. Um, are you are you good or should I go to my. My bible judges chapter 7 is it to hang it's not hanging. it's flip it's fast. judges chapter 7 i'm in verse um, 19 so gideon and the 100 men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch and they had but newly set the watch. That means the Midianites had just changed guard. eh? And they blew the trumpets and break the pitcher. You remember the strategy? They had the pitcher with a lamp inside, then they had trumpets. eh? They blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held on their left hand what? Torch lamps or their lamps? Eh? Hello, on their left hands what? And on their right hand? And on and their and their trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. Now let me ask you, they are going for war. Where is the sword? Where is the sword? Yes. Yes. That's exactly how God set them up. Can you see? On the left hand, on the right hand, they're going for war. They're about to fight an army that the Bible describes were as many as the locusts, sand or the seashore, the Midianite camp. They're going for war. But if you go before that, 32,000 men had volunteered to go for this battle. Then God told him, there are too many. If I give you victory with this many, they will beat their chests. I'm telling you what he's telling us. We Amen. We we will, they will beat. We will beat our chest. We'll beat our chest. So what does he do? He tells Gideon, anyone who's afraid, go home. You would think, this guys volunteered as an army. You would think, you would think honestly, that when you say, those who are fearful, go home, that a hundred people will go home. No. 22,000 people from your 32,000 army. <laughs> Graham Cook says, they can't believe their luck. What did he say? Those who are afraid, go home. <laughs> the army is stripped to 10,000 people. 10,000. Gideon is thinking, maybe. God says, there are still too many. They will beat their chest. So he takes them, and then he says, Water. I'll, I'll show you who you take, who you keep. And God, out of 10,000 people, 9,700 go home. Then he's left with 300 against an army described as the sand in the seashores. Multitude, locusts. Then God thinks, that's not enough. I want you to carry two things to battle. Lamp and trumpet. Where is the sword? Where is the sword? Now, this is the amazing bit. That once, when they blew those trumpets, God caused these guys to kill each other. 120,000 people killed each other. Mm -hmm. 15,000 people took off. They chased them, not with sword, with (laughs) trumpet and lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Why is He doing that? So you have nothing to beat your chest about. And that's where we are going, living by faith gives you no room for chest thumping. No room. You know, even you, you know, I am the spectator in this game. I am the spectator. That's, what, that's, what, that's, that's why Gideon is in the Hall of Faith. That's what it was about. If you went and asked Gideon, by the way, we'll read it again next time. We'll read it. When when they got to the end of that battle, they have destroyed the Midianites. In fact, they so destroyed them. The Bible says the Midianites never rose again after that. Never. That kingdom was vanquished. The Israelites told Gideon, come and be our king. He said, I can't. I will not. He refused. Because he knows. He knows. I was the spectator. (laughs) Come and be our king. Ah, Where? He refused, and he told them, the Lord is your king. Amen. He was not being spiritual. He was being real. He knew. He knew. He knew. You, if you open your mouth, you open your mouth, and you say, um, um, to that situation you're having, there'll be an answer. Tomorrow, there'll be an answer. When you st- step out of that situation, you're pinching yourself, why did I commit to tomorrow? I don't even know. Then tomorrow, the answer comes. Even you, you know, I knew nothing about what I said. I, but that's where he wants us. Amen. When we live on that edge, we are ready for encounters. Amen.